This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Happy December. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. We're going to keep you sane for the holidays. And have you ever heard of somatic experiencing? A therapy that watches how your body moves. We will get an education on that from a lovely artist. And you'll meet a mom who has a great children's book based on her own son's crazy hair and adorable habits. Which Way's Dream Hat is helping kids everywhere sleep better. That's all coming up. First, remember to get your sleep this holiday season. Tracy Masella is here, a therapist for Silver Hills Hospital. The holidays are here. Beware the drama. That's right. Uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, Bermuda Triangle of (laughs) intense emotions. You know, it's so funny. It's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, but I don't know many who go through the season without experiencing, you know, some sort of emotional eruption somewhere along the line. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, just the phrase, it's the most wonderful time of the year, puts immense pressure on everybody to create this, you know, winter wonderland, this fantasy of uh, the perfect holiday. And it just puts a lot of pressure and expectations on people during a time of the year when, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on. The days are getting shorter, so there's not as much light. Often people are getting sick because of just the change in the seasons. It's college application and college acceptance are rejection time. So even if the holidays weren't happening, it would be a stressful time of the year. So you add the holidays and it's really a, the perfect storm. So you've got a one, two, three, four, five step process that can help us get through the holiday season. Let's go with number one. Remember, you're a grown up. <laughs> Sometimes the hardest thing to do, you know, we automatically regress when we uh, are around our parents or our grandparents and uh, we assume the roles that were given to us as children in the family. So, you know, I, I always encourage people to think about your own nuclear family as your priority and what works for you. So if you want to do the holidays differently than your parents did or your grandparents did or your even your siblings do, that's okay. If it works for your immediate family, that's your primary concern. And people can either join in or not. It's the way you present it. So you don't want to present it as rejection of everything that you knew as a child, uh, but rather we're trying things a different way to expand our idea of what the holiday can be. So being inclusive as opposed to exclusive. Yeah, I bet that goes over as well in the Masella house as it does in the Marabito house. Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's tough. And there's some tears and there's some hard feelings. But, you know, I think if you stand your ground and set your limits, and again, it's all in the presentation. If you if you present it as, as, a, as a loving thing and you present it as a, a way of expanding the holiday joy, often people can come to adapt. And if they can't, well, that probably says more about your relationship than, than just about the holiday. Exactly right. Number two, have realistic expectations. Again, it's that, you know, the Facebook, social media, Martha Stewart, Pottery Barn, Christmas. You know, you see these images of the perfect Christmas card, and nobody looks like their Christmas card, right? What? How many pictures had to be taken to get that one beautiful picture? And it's just an unrealistic expectation and unattainable for most people. So really think about what is the most important element of the holiday for your family? Is it getting together? Is it the spiritual aspect? Is it the food? Is it travel? 
level? Is it the presence? Whatever it is, focus on that and, and make that your priority rather than trying to do everything for everyone. And I like to say, why can't we spread that holiday togetherness out over a longer period of time, right? Come January, February, nobody has anything to do. That's a wonderful time to get together and celebrate. It doesn't have to be crunched into this one month, this sort of arbitrary month that we've chosen to be the holidays. You know, think about prioritizing what's important and focus your attention on that rather than trying to do everything so that your social media page looks fantastic. Tracy Masella is our guest and we're talking about dealing with family and stress during the holidays. Here's an interesting thought. Keep alcohol consumption to a minimum. You know, you add um, alcohol to anything and it's gasoline to the fire. So what happens over the holidays is we stop attending to our daily routine. We change our daily routine and as much as possible, I like to say it's the dental floss philosophy. If If you don't have time in your day to floss your teeth, then you're doing too much. So keep to your routine as much as possible. So that means eating, eating the same way that you eat throughout the year, staying away from a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol, or a lot of caffeine. Any of that is going to spike your vulnerability to intense emotional reactions. Sleep. Sleep is hugely important. So we need seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Kids need even more. Kids need eight to ten hours a night. So as much as possible, we want to stay on our routine and really pick and choose the activities that we do so that we don't get so thrown off of our routine that we are really vulnerable to reacting in a negative way or oh. problematic way. Alcohol is actually a depressant, so it's it's not going to bring holiday cheer. It's actually going to bring holiday depression. So keep away from the alcohol or keep it to a moderation and keep to your routine as much as you can. I hate feeling tired on Christmas. I hate that. Yeah. I feel like so robbed. Well, yeah, and I, you know, it makes me so sad, and I've said it myself, so I, I completely understand when, when it is said, but when people say, I am so glad the holidays are over, mm. that makes me sad. Like, why, why do we go through all of this just to, at the end, say, thank goodness it's over, right? Why don't we, why don't we say, wow, that was a great Christmas, and yeah. this is why, because I, you know, I really focus on what's important to me. You know, I often think this time of year, if there are Martians looking down on us, on the globe... They're saying, oh, my God, those people are insane. That's right. And they could, cer- they could certainly see us more clearly because of all the lights we put out. Right. So. <laughs> exactly that. And finally, you say do things because you want to do them. That's right. Yeah. So, again, that feeling that we are doing things out of obligation. And, of course, there are some obligatory things that we need to do over the holidays, and, and that's okay. But if we're doing everything because we feel like we have to, we are going to become resentful. So when we set these really high expectations and our ability to meet those expectations doesn't match that, we get filled with resentment. It's, a, it's just a recipe for us to feel angry, disappointed, guilty, ashamed. And all of those emotions are going to lead us to react in really problematic ways. We're going to lash out. We're going to act out, right? So this is when we become children again, right? We get resentful. We start to pout. We may pick arguments with the people that we love. Um, And and it, it, it ends up making us feel miserable. So really thinking about what is important to me about the holiday, as I said before. Is it the spiritual aspect? Is it the is it the present? Is it the decorating of your home? Is it the food? Is it getting together with friends that you don't see the rest of the year? Those are all in and of themselves 
perfectly fine expectations. It's when you try and do everything that you're going to set yourself up for disaster. All right, Tracy, is there any place we could go for more information? Do you have a website or something like that? There, the Silver Hill website is filled with resources about how to get help for uh, any number of issues you might be dealing with, either for yourself or for your family members. NAMI, the National Association of Mental Illness, is another great website for just uh, clues on how to help people that are battling with depression, addiction, anxiety, um, particularly over the holidays. So, so silverhillhospital.org, click on resources. Thank you, Tracy Masella. And here's a resource I have never heard of, Somatic Experiencing. Annette Hadley is a beautiful artist. Her book is called From Fear to Love, How Creativity Saved My Life and Will Change Yours for the Better. You can see her beautiful works of art at AbundanceArt.com. But I wanted to focus on her journey from fear to love. And if you know someone who is a fearful person or someone who is experiencing any kind of anxiety or depression, you may want to lean in to learn of somatic experiencing. Approximately 10 years ago, I could tell something wasn't right in my life. Little did I know that at that time that I was a person of trauma. Thus began a long journey through discovery of the trauma and healing and assimilating my new understanding of who I am in this world into, you know, living as a trauma survivor and thriver. Okay. So you knew something was off, but didn't you know what the trauma was that you had experienced? Here's what's so interesting. Trauma occurs at all phases of life, even before birth. Studies have shown this. The reason I did not know was that the nature of my trauma, as identified by my therapist certified in trauma recovery therapy, she diagnosed the very early life nature of my trauma. It was before I had words. All right. And once you knew this, once through therapy, you found out that as a young child, before you could even speak, you experienced trauma. Were you able then to go back to your family of origin and, and discuss it? Or did you just take a personal journey solo? It started solo, and then it involved reaching out and sharing and also comparing, uh, asking my siblings, what was your experience? What was your experience? So it was a journey of discovery with great love, compassion, and curiosity. Lucky you. Very lucky. Lucky you. I know, and I want to uh, note that the specific modality used is called somatic experiencing. It was first founded by Peter Levine, a PhD psychologist, I think about 30 years ago. And it's a neurobiological approach to healing trauma and to rewiring, literally rewiring the nervous system and creating new neural pathways that are aligned with well-being Mm -hmm. and literally changing the way my body's wisdom interprets what's going on in the world. It's, It's not so much about the story of the trauma as the impact it had on my nervous system. And when I say my, I mean anybody with trauma. So I want to hear that sentence again. It, it, It aligns your body's wisdom. What was that you said? It teaches my body to recognize its wisdom and to begin using its wisdom in everyday life. Okay. And you had been cut off from your wisdom because yes. of 
early childhood trauma. And at what age did this make itself clear to you? I'm sure you probably had symptoms your entire life, but at what age did you say, I got to get this fixed? I, the year I turned 50, I, I talk about a renaissance, um, and that is that was when I first began recognizing the words I was saying, and other people probably feel this way too, where they feel like things aren't quite right. I noticed I kept saying, I'm afraid that such and such won't be on time. I'm afraid, and I heard myself, and I realized, all right, there's something here. It's time to go back and figure out what is holding me here so that I can move forward. You were irrationally fearful yes. of the present life. Oh yes. my God, you, you must have been so annoying, Annette. Oh, here's the thing. <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. I possess a um, character of discipline, joy, and people who knew me prior to my trauma recovery had no idea there was anything going on. Nor did I. I had I had the happiest years of my life living in London, and it was only as that was coming to a close that the world started imploding. So that was probably in or, or, or that ending of that wonderful time in my life actually was the trigger that right. threw me into severe anxiety, which, as I saw help, fairly quickly became diagnosed as trauma. You were living in London. So as you were living in London, you found structure and balance and peace and comfort. But when that started to come to an end, the wheels came off Annette's bus. Well said. Okay. Yes. I want to tell. I want you to tell everyone what it's like when they sit down with a therapist to have a somatic experience. I'm not I, sure I know what that means. I am so glad you asked that question. The principle I'll just lay out very briefly is that the body holds whatever comes through your life and whatever is not processed and it's retained in the body. It shows up as illness. And most people living with anxiety disorders have trauma in their background. They may have no clue. And so when I first sat down with my therapist, and what my therapist does with every single client who comes to her is she begins first by explaining the nature of anxiety, how it's a real, you're living in a chronic state of hypervigilance because your body's expecting something bad to happen so it's on constant guard and the role of somatic experiencing is to shift that spike crisis into more of a flow by slowly allowing the body to release the energy that has been trapped because and of what does the that look like we are sitting together and talking and the somatic experiencing therapist says now let's just stop and I want to want to let's just see how that shows up in your body and we wait quietly and the therapist is doing what watching me with great compassion she's observing my body and what my body is doing and crying comes out perhaps twitching shaking those are very normal expressions of releasing trapped energy my extremities may move I may arch my back. One month into therapy, I curled up on the couch. And as a nurse, I recognized, oh, my God, I am in a fetal position, down to my legs being crossed. That told her that my trauma was very early. Okay. So you're just talking with a therapist, talking with a therapist, talking with a therapist, and then your body starts to move? Yes, and there's less talking and more moving. She stops 
the, the certified SE clinician will stop and say, stop right there. Let's see how that shows up in your body. So there's really more time, somatic meaning body, experiencing meaning letting the body experience the release of the trauma. So just talking about the trauma is enough to release it or enough to bring it up? Enough to bring it up. And keep in mind, Annette or any client does not necessarily even know they have trauma. They don't even know what it is. And it is up to the clinician to discern based on what the body does. And it might just be, you know, talk about an emotion or what happened today. And as that thread it's kind of like a tangled thread as it begins to emerge. Then slowly over numerous sessions, the, the truth about what happened is finally not cognitively known so much as somatically known. And eventually, for me, it was a seven-year process because of the very early nature of uh, my trauma. But slowly, the body's true wisdom learns to release that which is unhealthy and create new pathways that are based on love, not wow. fear. All right. It's very powerful, and it heals suitable for those with just simple anxiety issues. And in my case, it's suitable for early and pervasive developmental trauma. And you said this was SE, as it's called, was started by a psychiatrist? I believe he is a PhD psychologist. He is not a psychiatrist. Okay, His psychologist. Peter Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E, and he wrote about it in a book called Waking the Tiger. He actually just stumbled upon the technique one day while caring for a client. Yeah, so he must have observed a twitching part. Something like that, and something compelled him to tell the client, run, there's someone chasing you. So the client imagined running away to safety, and that very action produced a releasing of what had been held by the body and also a calming. Okay, so when you're having um, an, an SE somatic experience session with a certified therapist. Are you sitting down or lying down? Start with sitting down and the beauty of this modality is that anything goes. So I sat, I lay down, I walked, I pushed. Uh, and she had many techniques that she would bring into play. One of the principal one of the principles of SE is that as beings, uh, not just humans, but primates, all animals, we have a flight or fight response. And what many people don't know about is the freeze response. Mm -hmm, where some mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. animals actually, they play dead. They freeze up so as to protect themselves. That was my situation. That is many people's situation. And so part of the work was just knowing that I could fight and I could bleed. And I had the opportunity to gradually and slowly um, undergo certain techniques that allowed those aspects to manifest. Wow. Um, it was Cesar Milan who taught me that dogs can fight, flee, freeze, or submit. Only do four things. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I was on oh. my way to learning about the somatic <laughs> experience. So it's, yeah. it's you're sitting, you're talking, you're moving around the room, and then you're watching as the body releases stored trauma. I think it's fascinating. And, and you used art to help you heal as well. And where can we find more information about that? My website, www.abundanceart.com. Annette Hadley. 
AbundanceArt.com. Her book is called From Fear to Love, and she is lovely. Somatic experiencing. Maybe something to look into to release trauma. Now, if you have a youngster in your life, bad dreams may cause trauma at night. Joanne Tangent Santis to the rescue with her adorable book, Which Way's Dream Hat. The story is true, and the hats are magical. Well, it's a crazy thing. When my son Joey, I have two boys, one James, he's older, and then Joey, he's 29 at this point. When he was a little boy, he had this wagon that he wheeled all over the neighborhood. It was filled with all his favorite things. It was hats and guitars and lawnmowers and any outfit you could imagine. One night, he woke up with a nightmare, and I went in there. He was screaming, Mama, Mama, and I ran in, and I asked him what was the matter, and he said, I had a scary mood in my head. So I said it was just a nightmare and as I sat there rocking him back to sleep, he said, Mama, I wish I had a hat in my wagon I could put on my head so no bad dreams could get in. So I thought that was like the greatest idea in the world and the next day I found a hat that I had in the house and I gave it to him. That night you know, I said, this is a special dream hat, Joey. I'm not going to let any bad dreams come in. No more scary movies. And the next morning he woke up, he said it worked and he wore it to bed for about eight years. Wouldn't go anywhere <laughs> without it yes oh my god every sleepover he'd bring it with them and everything so never thought another thing of it until about three years ago i also have three stepsons and seven grandchildren a few years ago the my granddaughter ella was having nightmares and we went over there and my daughter-in-law jen was like oh my gosh she's waking up every night every night with these horrible nightmares and i said oh you need a dream hat laughing and they asked me, well, what's a dream hat? And I told them the story, and they said, you should write a book. And you could help other people with the same problem, you know, because sleep deprivation is a terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why they use it for uh, torture. Torture, indeed. And, um, well, it took me three years, and I wrote the story, and I used to um, make draperies for a living, so I did have a sewing room down there. That's how I brought that into the, the story, that I went down and sewed him a hat. But the true story is that I gave him a hat, but now I decided, why can't I make hats? So I've made over 200 hats so far. It's a little hat with a, the hole at the top to let the good dreams go in and the bad dreams come out. So I wrote the book, illustrated the book, and made all the hats. And the book is called? Which Way and His Dream Hat. Oh, I forgot to tell you the most important part. Is why <laughs> we called your son Which Way. Which, yes. He hated to get his hair cut when he was a little toddler, so I would have to catch him. I'd have the buzzer plugged in. I'd kind of put him between my legs and do what I could, you know, and then he'd run away again crying, and then I'd catch him again. And needless to say his hair went every which way and my parents and I shared a backyard with them I bought the house behind them and my dad we'd see them every day and he, he just looked at them one day and he said hey which way what's happening <laughs> and it stuck so that's how his name became which way and it's so funny because Joey um, I'm writing this story and I have a picture of him on the back of the book and he's like, Mom, I can't believe you let me walk around like that. <laughs> Honey, I really had no choice. I had to catch you and do what I could, and that was that. This kid of yours has such a personality. First of all, to have the wagon with the stuff in it. I've right. never known a kid to do that. No, and he started out with one of those little tyke shopping carts that was filled with balls and bats and football helmets and anything he could you know, find that he just always loved to go on adventures and be ready for anything. And then we gave them a wagon one year for Christmas, him and James, and then, you know, his 
shopping cart wasn't enough, so he put it into the wagon. But he would go over to the neighbors, and they had steps, so I'd have to carry it all the way up the steps so he could get it into their yard. Back then, we had a neighbor who was a policeman, and he gave us his old stuff. My dad was a fireman, so we took his old stuff, and I made a lot of costumes. And then one time for Christmas, we didn't know what to get him. I said, oh, let's make him a janitor. I got the light blue shirt with the dark pants. I put a little patch on it that said Joey. I went around to all the neighbors in the neighborhood and asked for all their old keys, and I put it on one of those keychains that goes on your belt that pulls out with all the keys on it. And he thought it was the best thing, so then he had a janitor costume. So. Here's what everyone wants to know. This kid, what? which way, with the crazy hair and the hat and the wagon, what is he doing today? He still has crazy hair. <laughs> <laughs> now he works for the operating engineers, so he runs big machines, but he works in a mine and he works underground in New York. He always had this craziness about him and he still does to this day. He loves to dress up. You give him an occasion and and he comes prepared. Oh, Joey, thank you for inspiring Which Way's Dream Hat. Whichwaysdreamhat.com will teach you more, and Joanne Santis is happy to go to your school or fair and read the story to the kids, too. Adorable. Thank you for shining on today. Check Casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O to see what's new. And safe January 13th for a one-day retreat in Croton. And the weekend of March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, that's a weekend retreat on the river in Ossining. Our thought for the day comes from author Anna Taylor, who said, Nobody else gets to live your life. You're the artist. Paint your picture. Dream your own masterpiece into being. Have a great week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 WHUD.